What's good, folks? Welcome into the Mid-State 48, powered by 615 Preps. Getting you ready for week seven in under 48 minutes. And let's go ahead and bring in Scott. Uh, unfortunately, our third man, Tom Duggan, is not with us this week. He is a bit under the weather. So, Tom, wish you all the best. Get well soon. We'll hopefully we'll have you back next week. Yeah, Tom, uh, from all of us here, get better. Um, Chris is tired of me carrying the load. Yep. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, uh, what, the load. I tell you. <laughs> what, a, what a week last week, though. Had some great games, and we'll, we'll talk about them real wow. quick. Um, week six gave us some good football starting a Thursday night. Lipscomb Academy, Oakland, a game we've been looking forward to for a couple of weeks, and it lived up to it. You know, a lot of times we get these games that are highly anticipated, and they turn out to be duds. This was not a dud. Oh, no. And, you know, this is, you know, you and I talked, and this was so much like, uh, <laughs> you know, we talked last week about it being almost like an Xbox game where you get the two best teams and you get the, you know, how often does that happen that you actually get to, uh, you know, the, the teams get together and build a classic matchup? And, you know, for all intents and purposes, it was. It was just a great, great game and a great, great atmosphere. Yeah, and we talk about um... – the skill players for both for both sides and the defense has really stole the show early on, especially Oakland's defense, which really had to keep them in the ball game because they made a couple of mistakes that nearly turned into some disastrous points against them. Yeah, really, it, it you know, Lipscomb came right out and and drove the ball. Something that I didn't and a lot of people didn't think uh, was going to happen. I mean, we expected there to be uh, scores, but for the greater part of the first half and it, it was the you know, it was the Lipscomb Academy show yeah and you really those of you who hadn't seen Lipscomb before Thursday you got to see how efficient that offense is how quick strike that that offense is they do not put themselves in bad spots Luther Richardson just running that offense has done a tremendous job all year and did again on Thursday Alex Broom had a terrific game um but what Trent Dilfer talked about afterwards was his offensive line, especially in the second half, and his defensive line too, that their lines got a bit beat up. Yeah, and we talked a bit about the depth and depth, excuse me, depth and athleticism of six uh, A schools, you know, versus uh, you know private schools, and that there, that may or may not be a factor depending on how the game would go. And because it became a slugfest, because it became a uh, it it was one of those uh, games where every play was, you know, something big could happen that I think it eventually did wear on uh, Lipscomb's uh, lines a little bit because, you know, it was late when Oakland really broke that, uh, uh, when James broke that 75-yard run, and then uh, the next time they had the ball, I believe that they scored again. So, uh, you know, that's why I was saying, you know, it, it was really Lipscomb early, and then Oakland just kind of waited them out, wore them down, yeah. and, and then and then was able to take over. And at the time of James' first touchdown, that 75-yarder was early in the fourth quarter. They had just – Lipscomb had just gone up 21-7, and then they basically get punched right back in the mouth. And I think that turned the game kind of on its head because they weren't really expecting to just get Oakland's best immediately after that. But that's yeah, what, it, no, you're absolutely right. I think it did take a little bit of something out of them. Uh, you know, they get up and they're uh, up by two scores all of a sudden, and 
then Oakland just takes it right back. I mean, it's what a kickoff and then one, one play later or something yep. like that. And he's yep. gone. Yep. And you know, it, it was really, really uh, a good hard fought game. It, it's one of those ones that, you know, you, you know, you could watch over and over again yep. and, and get something new out of it every time Two really, really good coaches and, and two really good teams. And credit Kevin Creasy for going for two with six, little over six minutes to go when they scored to take the lead because they didn't want to go to overtime with this team. Nobody did. Nobody wanted that. So it was a great call to go for two either way because it's a non-region game. There's no punishment for losing it. I mean, you know, it was the right call, I think. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I think that, you know, we talk about Oakland uh, and how good they are, how rare it is that they get to play a team that that pushes them. And, and you know, Lipscomb pushed them. They pushed them well. Yep. And I think that uh, Coach Creasy going for two was a matter of trying to get his offense to assert itself, to get their lines to assert itself and, and kind of get back in and kind of enforce their will, if you will. Uh, and I think that that was, like you said, I think that was a crucial call uh, because I think it really, you know, what went out of, uh, you know, we talk about the score taking the air out of them. That really took some of the wind out of the Liscom sails. Yeah, and even though the Mustangs were able to drive back down the field into the final 90 seconds and get to within two yards of a win, uh, Oakland's defense had one more stand in them, and they stopped the Liscom Academy offense on, on – on that goal to go situation with five seconds left and we're able to hang on just an exciting finish to a great game. And, and we're, we're glad to see a game like that come across because you know, honestly we need more of them. Absolutely. And what a tremendous run stunt, what a tremendous call there on the goal yeah. line. Uh, they ran that stunt and ran it right at the back of a uh, broom. And he absolutely had, there was nothing he could do. Yeah. Uh, Tremendous call on the goal line, and you're right, Chris. Absolutely right. We need more of these games. This is this is what uh, you know high school football is all about. And and if we can just talk about the atmosphere there, I'm I mean there were you know there were scouts there, there were you know there was a lot of media there, but there was a lot of alumni there. Uh, Lipscomb traveled well. Yep. Uh, it was uh, it was really a fun, fun atmosphere uh, to be around. Yeah. And college coaches in attendance too. Um, Eddie George was spotted on the sidelines, uh, <laughs> um, among others. And, and just a, a yeah. great night for football and, and one of those that we hopefully get to see more of in the future. Uh, let's move on to Friday's games. Scott, you were at White House Heritage and they played Fairview. Uh, this one for a while looked like it was in doubt, but Fairview in the second half just kind of took over, didn't they? Well, yeah, it was kind of, I got to go see two games really. I mean, in all honesty, the first half was, it was White House heritage. Uh, they came out and just smacked uh, to, to, to use Chris Hughes's uh, uh, description. Uh, they got smacked. They got smacked in the mouth. White House heritage just smacked them in the mouth. Um, they came out and White House heritage did some things that quite frankly, um, Fairview wasn't expecting, uh, you know, we talked about uh, Fairview's ability to throw the ball. They thought they were going to be able to come out and throw the ball on heritage. Uh, what it was is that what they saw on film was the previous week heritage uh, corners were sitting back off the, off the receivers. And they thought for sure they'd be able to hit those quick, 
passes, those slants, and really be able to score. <laughs> and when the first play they came out, all the corners jammed up on the receivers and all of a sudden game plan out the window. And uh, and they had to make an adjustment because uh, uh, Malachi Alarm, I'm going to butcher this, but Alarmendi, uh, I hope that's correct. Um, and uh, uh, he was gashing, uh, he was gashing uh, the Yellow Jackets for uh, a lot of yards, and the the offensive line was really dominating. Um, it took a little bit for uh, it took a little bit for Fairview to to even get on the board. It went in, uh, I think, fourteen to six at uh, at the half. Uh, but they made some defensive adjustments, and what they did, and uh, they took Landon, uh, Laden Grant, excuse me, Laden Grant. They went to a straight fifty. They put Laden Grant in the middle, and stopped uh, the run game, forced the pass game for Heritage. And when they did that, it enabled uh, it, it enabled them to create some mistakes. Of course, the fumble at the beginning of the second. Half didn't hurt, you know, they get the ball turned over, they go down and score, get within two. Um, but in all honesty, this was a game about, um, it was a game, it was really a two game or, a, you know, a tail two games in all honesty. And, and coach uh, Dickerson will tell you, um, he just didn't think his guys in the second half were ready to take the game. He, he didn't think mentally they were ready to close. I think those were his exact words. Um, I think they'll take this and learn from it. But uh, Fairview, uh, very dangerous game, but uh, I think they come out the better for it. Yep, they've got to go back to White House next week to play the Blue Devils in the other side of town. So, and Coach Chris some, Hughes is very, very worried about Rain and Blackburn. They've got some bus miles on them in the couple of these couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> my game was Beach at Summit, and this was for a while an intriguing ball game because beach in the first half defensively had kind of had kind of stalled some of its game plan they were blitzing from different places on keaton or on destin wade and really held them in check for the better part of a half it was seven seven you know after wade hit brady pierce for the first of three touchdown connections beach came right down to the end of the first quarter and scored bronco hanks went in on a short run on fourth and goal uh Summit really was just kind of confused and they had to make some adjustments themselves. They finally did in the second half. And, and the biggest turning point was right before halftime. Beach was driving down to take the lead, then throw a pick. And then on the last play of the half, Destin Wade and Keaton Wade kind of improvise. Keaton, Keaton finds himself out in the open after blocking for a few seconds. Wide open. Destin hits him. 28-yard touchdown at the end of the half. And they go up. And they were up by a couple of scores there at the half, and and that was about it. And Beach in the second half didn't quite have the same vigor on defense that they had in the first half. So uh, a great win for Summit. Brady Pierce had a big night at three touchdown catches. And Destin Wade threw four passes for touchdowns, ran a long one from 62 yards for another one. Uh, just another great night for Summit, starting to insert themselves as not only just a contender in 6A, but maybe the favorite out of the western half of that bracket though I think Ravenwood will have something to say about that this week. We'll talk more about that later. That's but, It's amazing, though, Chris, you talk about uh, you know those brothers being able. It's like they drew it up in the dirt in the backyard. Yeah, it's like they've done it before. <laughs> but it's one of those things, and Brian Coleman was talking about this. As a blocker in the backfield, you have several seconds before you just go out and 
get open. And, and that's what Keaton Wade did. He was in there to block. Plenty of time elapsed. He goes out and just drifts out and finds an opening. And there he's wide open. And at that point, he makes one cut and he's gone. And, wow. And Beach had to cover for so long in that play. There was nobody in the area to, to get him. And just a great job by Destin Wade of avoiding trouble. And Keaton Wade, knowing what he needed to do, get himself open and find the end zone. That was the turning point in the ballgame. Incredible. Yeah, it was. Uh, Summit's playing really well right now, uh, maybe as well as anybody. And I'm I'm curious to see if that momentum can continue this week. It's a big game against Ravenwood. It's going to be a great atmosphere there at Summit as well. You're actually going to be there this week. Uh, so enjoy that first off. And uh, <laughs> I've been looking forward to going to see Summit for quite some time. Yep. So I'm yep. really, uh, really intrigued by this. And yep. I think this is a great matchup. And we'll talk more about that and who you got to with our picks as well. Let's take a break and then we'll come back and answer some mailbag questions for the second time this season on the Mid-State 48 Powered by 615 Preps. We're back right after this. Back here on the Mid-State 48 Week 7 Preview Edition. Uh, wanted to take some time to answer some more of your questions. We usually do this on Instagram. I tend to do that on Wednesday during the week. We just thought we'd throw it back on the show this week to answer some of these questions on our YouTube show. And uh, let's uh, get right to the mailbag. So we had plenty of questions that came in in the mailbag this week, and we wanted to start out with uh, who we thought some 6A contenders might be. Scott, we, we've talked about several teams in 6A for most of the season. As we see, 6A day contenders, who are they? Well, Oakland, of course. Uh, they're the first ones that popped to the top of my head. Um, and, and truthfully, they're they're the king until somebody knocks them off. Um I think that, uh, but you know, that being said, you know, Oakland's the easy answer. You can look out there and, and, you know, the real question is going to be who are the teams that might possibly be able to knock them off at whatever point. Uh, and of course, Maryville's always a team that's, you know, out there on the horizon for them. Uh, but I think that, you know, you know, really there, uh, if you look over in uh, region seven, you know, Ravenwood or Summit is one of those teams that uh, has enough uh, talent, I think, on those teams to, uh, in, you know, and it's any given Friday or Saturday or Thursday, depending. <laughs> when, when, when do they play that one? Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's any given day that, you know, a Summit or a Ravenwood could come out and, you know, take it to, we saw what Lipscomb could, uh, did, uh, you know, for three quarters against, uh, Oakland. So I, I think that those are two, two teams, Ravenwood and, you know, those region seven teams are the most likely to be the ones to, to knock off, uh, Ravenwood. I, I tend to agree with that. Um, I think region seven is going to mostly have success in the playoffs in the first couple of rounds of region eight, because the Memphis teams having not played last year, they're a year behind that that it's stunned it has stunted their development by a year and they may be a year away from contending again uh ravenwood summit yeah i could see those two uh, but here's the thing oakland getting a close call like that might have been the best thing for them because now they understand that they're vulnerable and that makes them an even more dangerous team than they already are and 
they have a game coming up with CPA. And we'll see, we'll know more about Oakland when we see how they come out against CPA. Because that game, uh, if they come out and and just wear CPA out, then we know that Oakland paid attention. Uh, and, and, you know, they learned exactly what you're talking about. You know, we can't skate on talent. You know, we have to be disciplined. We have to be good every play. If they come out and have another scare, you know, yeah, you know, it becomes a question. Now, it could just be that CPA is that good. I'm not going to discount them and say Oakland's going to run away with it. Right. Uh, a CPA will have something to say about it. But I think that you're right. That kind of scare um, just makes the Patriots more dangerous. Especially considering CPA could very well use the blueprint Lipscomb just used. Be patient mm. on offense and just don't give up the big play early on defense. Don't get behind because that's what Lipscomb did. They were patient on the offense. They took their opportunities when they had them. They didn't get behind, and they forced Oakland into a rare mistake. That's the formula, but so many teams are unable to capitalize on it. Yeah, and they didn't throw the deep ball very much at all. No, and that and that's the and that's the difference between Lipscomb and CPA is that uh, Luther Richardson can throw that deep ball very very well. And I'm not saying that Cade Law can't, but that's not their game. Yep. That's their game is exactly what you said. Grind it, wear them down, play physical. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of what, uh, that's a lot of what uh, Lipscomb did was just wear down, wear down and, uh, and little, you know, just kind of frustrate you to the point where you make a mistake. Okay. So with that said, let's segue right into the next question. Predictions on CPA versus Lipscomb. Well, up until this point, uh, up until last week, I, I would have said CPA, but Lipscomb showed me something coming out there against Oakland. Um, they showed me that, and not only did they show me during the game, but they showed me after. Uh, they wanted that game badly, and I think that they're tired of being uh, the runner-up. And it, I think that Lipscomb uh, right now, has the itch to really do well. I think that, in my opinion, Lipscomb's probably going to have a little – they're not going to have more incentive. Uh, I'm not going to give them that. But I think right now they've got the talent and they've got the drive to win that game. I agree. But CPA hasn't been talked about that much. For a defending champion, they've been overlooked. And that's that's a mistake. That's a that's a bad mistake to overlook a team that's that talented, that veteran, and that deep. That's a very good point because if you're looking for bulletin board material, there it is. They've got all uh, they need. You, yeah, exactly. Nobody's talking about them. Hey, we're still here. We still have, you know, two guys that are going to play at the next level. We've got more than that, probably. Uh, we're, you know, so, and we're the defending champs and we're the, exactly. I mean, so in all honesty, yeah, you're right. Lipscomb has probably their own chip on, I mean, uh, CPA probably has their own chip on their shoulder. As good as the two games they played against each other last year were, we could see two even better games this year with the same results. You, I don't, I will say this. I don't think one team's going to beat the other one twice. 
No. And that, that leads to another question. Do you hold anything back? No, you can't. I don't think you, you really can. can't, can you? you? Can't because because you have to determine your own seating in the playoffs. Right. There may be something that you want to wait save for later on. Sure, but you can't like, leave, you can't leave a whole lot on the table. Well, and uh, right, unless unless you're actually in desperate times in that first game. Yeah, that yeah, you're definitely there. Are some things you want to hold in the cookie jar if you don't need them. Yeah, but. uh yeah, you can't. You, I'm going into uh, Bobby. Bichette. You can't hold anything back. <laughs> no, I, I don't think you can really afford to hold too much back. I mean, maybe there's something that Mm-mm. you might consider saving for a second meeting, but just know that it's not guaranteed. And is there any? Is there really anything you could hold back? I mean, these teams know each other so well. Oh, anyway. I don't think there is. Honestly, I mean, yeah. unless unless you're just drawing up something new that they've never seen, or at least not, not seen from you, which quite honestly, both sides probably are. Then I don't know, but they're close. I think it's, it's too tough to call at this point. That, that game is going, that's another one of those games. It's almost, it's almost like Oakland and, and Lipscomb. I mean, that's a, that's one of those can't miss games because there's going to be be so much at stake. Yeah. And these teams are so very good. Yeah, because I mean, the winner of that game would inevitably have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So, right, that that's a big deal for them. Let's keep going on. Uh, East Nashville got a couple of questions from Coach Underscore Trey Six One Five. Thoughts on East Nashville season? Thoughts on East Nashville versus Green Hill game? Let's talk about the Eagles. They're in first place in their region, and they're in good shape right now. And Here's the remaining yeah. schedule. They're at Green Hill, at Maplewood, have an open date, then at Riverdale and versus Smith County. East Nashville has not been afraid to play up. It has shown in the results. They have lost to the higher classification teams, but they're better off for playing them. Well, absolutely. We've talked about honing your skills. Uh, you know, you learn, you, you learn very little from winning compared to what you learn from losing. And, uh, playing up just tells you more about yourself. I think East Nashville is a, you want to talk about an underrated team or an under-discussed team, that's one of them right there. Um, you know, that being said, uh, you know, I think that they've got a favorable uh, – well, I say that and then I'm looking at Riverdale. <laughs> but uh, I think it's – From the region schedule, from though. From the region schedule, I think yep. it is favorable. Um, but I so I think that they end up with, uh, you know, looking out into the crystal ball there – I think it's their region. Yeah. If they don't, if they don't make a mistake, yeah. uh, or or you know, really just kind of throw something away. Yeah, I mean, Maplewood has not been very competitive all year. Smith County, I think, is a year away from being a contender in that region. They've already beaten Stratford, which I thought was the game they needed to win to win the region. So they're right. in good shape to finish six and four. They're having to go to Green Hill this week, another team that's kind of hungry right now and, and playing really good football. So I don't know if East Nashville wins that game at Green Hill, um, but I like their prospects for winning the region and, and winning a game or two in the playoffs. Now they're going to match up with Region 6, which is becoming a little bit tougher and tougher every week with White House and Fairview and Waverly and Heritage and that group over there. So it's going to be a grind for them in those 3A playoffs because – they're not going to have an easy road. No, no, they're they're not. 
I, I agree with you. I think this week's game is another one of those honing games. I think Green Hill is going to give them. I think this is going to be a really, really good, fun game to watch, actually. Um, but I, I agree with you. When they get to the playoffs, it's going to be – they're going to have to draw on all that experience they picked up playing those better teams. Yep. Uh, and, you know, the, the main thing with them is that uh, they're going to have to – elevate their game they're going to have to play disciplined they're going to have to play uh physical and you know if they do that then they can make some noise let's move on to the next one thoughts on gordonsville high school football from jd musk we've talked about gordonsville a lot this year and for good reason they're six and oh they're great fifth and one a in the ap poll and the rest of their schedule is is pretty favorable uh, the only glaring date is that one at Trousdale County as to whether they can get unbeaten in the regular season or not. At six and zero right now, what do you like? Do you like their chances? Oh yeah, yeah, I like their chances a lot. Quite frankly, uh, I think that there's, uh, yeah, my doubts with them probably died in Stewart County. Um, I thought that Stewart County, you know, traveling that far, playing up, what was it two? classifications uh i thought that uh that was going to be uh a tell but they went over there and not only did they win they whooped them um and that told me everything i need to know about the gordonsville defense and that is where they're making their bones this year yep. uh i think that you know, gordonsville is a team to beat i think that they're on a collision course with Meigs county um Again, as long as is they uh, as long as they don't you know make errors and and you know lose focus, uh, if they had a running game right now, they would be dang near unstoppable. And I think they're starting to find that running game too a little bit. It's gotten better in the last few weeks. And going on the road to Coalfield last week and winning was huge. And a quick note about that game: uh, we all remember Coach Keith Henry, who passed away from COVID nineteen last year. His wife actually fed Gordonsville's team after the game. Oh wow! Those two, those two coaches had a pretty good relationship. They call each other every week, from what I've been told, and uh, and she she fed them and, and hosted them after that game Friday. So, what oh, an awesome wow. gesture! And uh, yeah, it's great, great to yeah. see. That. Yeah, that's a, that's that's amazing. Yep. Let's see, next up on our list is one that we've already been talking about: is the Green Hill. You should have corrected me. I did. I, <laughs> I had the wrong. Well, correct, I had the, correct, correct yourself. Then this is your chance. Well, I'm trying. What what region were, was uh, were was Gordonsville in again? Gordonsville's in Region Four of Class One. Ah, uh, there so, it is. There it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. My mistake. I was sitting there saying Meigs County, and that's, yeah, Meigs that County would be Trousdale in two. That's Trousdale. That was Trousdale. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, they're on a collision course, but uh, not with Banks County. No, their collision course is with South Pittsburgh in the quarterfinals. Right, so exactly. That's going to be their that's going to be their stepping stone to the state. Yeah. Let's talk about Green Hill. We have quite a few questions. Uh, opinion on Green Hill so far? How about them Green Hill Hawks? Has Green Hill impressed you yet? Yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you've watched this show, uh, and and if you haven't, where have you been? Um, but if you've watched the show, you know that I thought that Green Hill needed another year, and they are, you know, when we t when we did our word association, uh, mine was that they were ahead of schedule. 
I think that Green Hill is playing uh, a very good, uh, a very good brand of ball right now. Uh, I mean, much, much more than I would have expected. Uh, Coach Crouch has done a tremendous job over there. Yeah, things have lined up right for them. Um, you know, when you've got guys scoring five touchdowns on five touches, you know, it's it's going in the right direction for you. Forget the Nolansville plan. The Green Hill plan is one of their own. They're not worried about just making the playoffs. They're shooting for a region title, and there's a legitimate chance for them to get there. Now, their last two games against Station Camp and Mount Juliet are going to decide that. But you know, they're in a position to do what so few teams could ever dream of doing, winning your region in your first year of eligibility. Yeah, and, I mean, we didn't think that – I mean, look, look at just making the playoffs in your first year of eligibility is an accomplishment, right? Not, not you know, it's nice to, it, I mean, that's a great goal to have. If you'd came out and said, we're going to we want to win the region. And of course that's what you're going to say, but realistically, um, you know, just to get to the, just to get a playoff game in your first year of eligibility is a, you know, is still a lofty goal. Right. So, yeah, I mean, and this isn't this isn't a four or five team region. This is a seven team region. You've got to win enough region games to get in. Yes, and yes. they're already in position to challenge for the title. So I mean, this is a big it's a big deal for Green Hill to be in this spot. And yes, they have impressed us. You yes, know, it's, and- it's beyond what we thought they would be capable of doing. Even though we thought a playoff spot could be in the cards this year anyway. Yeah, I mean they run the ball extremely well. Yeah, and uh, you know that's a formula right there. Uh, for early success if you play good defense and run the ball and i think that they're doing that yeah and they're kind of, it's going to be kind of a, a, a semi-final of sorts in that region thursday night when mount julia vision station camp because the winner of that game has got the inside track on the region title and will have to beat green hill for it the loser could maybe mess things up if they beat green hill but they'd have some work to do right next up on our list of questions, Stratford. Do y'all think Stratford can make a big run after winning back to back? Let's define big run for just a second because you know Stratford, Stratford in three A. We've talked about East Nashville, so Stratford would have virtually the same road. Mm-hmm. So you know the remaining schedule. They've got Smith County at home, basically for the number two seed in that region this week. And they're at FRA. They've got an open date after that. Then they host Davidson Academy and they travel to Jackson County for their final region game of the year, which should be a win. And you talked about region six in the playoffs again, like we did with East Nashville. So, you know, what we just said about East Nashville, their road's not going to be easy in the playoffs. Stratford's in the same boat. Right, right. I think anybody coming out of this region is going to be going to have a tough road. But, you know, Stratford is right where we expected them to be, which was in second spot in that in that region. Now, uh, one team that, you know, that we didn't expect maybe to be quite as competitive is Smith County. So that game that they have this week is going to be huge. Um, and it, and in all likelihood going to be for that, uh, you know, that elusive home game. Uh, I know we'll get more to that in the next segment, but, uh, you know, Stratford is exactly where, uh, where I thought they, they'd be. They, they throw the ball extremely well. Uh, they have a dynamic offense. Um, it's just going to be, uh, you know, it's going to come down to those games and not making mistakes. Watertown is next on our list. 
And we got a couple of questions about them. And this one, am I wrong or is Watertown a very young team? No, you're right. They are young in, in quite a few spots, especially up front. And that's kind of been where they have struggled in the, establishing the running game this year. It's gotten better as the season has gone on. But yeah, they're behind. Yeah, they're, they've, uh, you know, Watertown, if, if there's one thing that they've got, uh, yeah, they're, they're young this year. And, and to Chris, exactly your point, that running game, that lack of a running game is hurting their passing game. Uh, because teams are just – they don't have to load up the box to stop it. Yep. Uh, Watertown's winning. Uh, uh, the one thing to see – they're just playing well is their defense. Yep. Their defense is keeping them in games. And that's, uh, you know, you know the good thing about that is if your defense can keep you in games and you can do just enough offensively probably to, to win some games that you're supposed to. Yeah. Uh, especially looking at uh, this, the uh, – the the schedule that they have yeah uh, east robertson is circling this date and looking at their chops right now because this is their opportunity to get to that number two seat this that it's going to be for number two in this region more yeah. than likely because i don't know that watertown's going to be able to play with Trousdale county the way the yellow jackets are playing at this point but they're going to have to beat east robertson for that opportunity otherwise they're going to be sitting in third yeah, I agree. I think Trousdale County is on a collision course with Banks. Hey, did I get that one right? You got that uh, one right. <laughs> um, uh, now, I didn't know this question was coming up, but thankfully, ah, he redeemed himself. No, um, <laughs> no, no redemption. Um, but I, I, I think that you're absolutely right. He's, this uh, game this week is going to tell a lot about how much Watertown has improved and how much they're growing. Uh this week this will be a big big game for them right. next up from lil huff underscore 24 do you white do you think white house heritage can still make the playoffs yes i, I think yeah. they can and the schedule the schedule's not easy for them because they're going to have waverly stewart county white house left but as long as they beat cheatham county you know really that's their game that you win that game you're going to get in yeah i agree I, I mean they're going to probably have to beat stewart county too honestly but you yeah. have to beat Cheatham County first. Right. And I think that I think they can. I think they will. Uh, yeah. th I think they will make the playoffs. Uh, I think that uh, they have a team that can beat uh, Stewart County. Um, they have a, a team that can uh, that should beat Cheatham County. Uh, you know, Waverly and Whitehouse may have a little bit too much. But I tell you what, playing Fairview this week and playing the first half, if they can learn from that, and if they can, you know, they, like I said, they held a, a Waverly, a very physical a Fairview team, uh, you know, to six points at, at the half. Um, so, you know, who knows? And then the White House game is a rivalry game, so that's you. You got to toss a lot of things out the window with that. So, yeah, I think that. I think White House Heritage has it to to make uh, make the playoffs, provided that they you know come back from this uh, loss with Fairview and you know put some things together, learn from it. Yeah, but they cannot afford a loss to Stewart County though, because you don't want to go into that White House game needing another win to get in the playoffs, even though it's a rivalry game and you're going to be jacked up for it. That's not a situation that is conducive to achieving your goals, having to win a rivalry game like that just to get in. I would want that in my back pocket going to week 11. 
No, I agree. I think that they have to win. You know, the, I I think in real uh, realistically, they have to win at least two more of those, and one of them has to be well. One of them will be Cheatham County, I'm pretty sure, and I think the other one, best opportunity, as you say, is Stewart County. Yeah. Uh, last one, Wilson Central. Grant Roundtree asked, "Do you think Wilson Central will make the playoffs?" I think they will too, because the way this region sets up for them. They've already played Mount Juliet. They played them to one score. Um, yeah, I mean, they've got a PlayStation camp. But I think Wilson Central does get this four seed. Um, they've got to beat White County to do it. But as long as you beat White County, I think, you know, I think they should get that number four seed. I don't know that Hillsborough is going to be able to come back and and, and make this, make this up for them. But, I mean, they could play Spore in week 11. Who knows? And they could. Um I think that the odds are in their favor. I think that, uh, I, again, as you said, Chris, I think that the White County game is going to be their their biggest uh, their biggest stumbling block. But I think that they can take care of business there because uh, they still have a good defense and they're they're uh, continuing to grow uh, offensively. And I think that yeah, they'll. The, I think that they will do and uh, do enough to make it in there in that fourth spot. Maybe, you, and you don't know, I, I, I had to look at the, you know, that station camp game, you know, you know, depending on what happens this week, uh, that could, that could be uh, another one up for grabs. Yep. Well, thanks everybody for the questions. Glad to do that. Um, we'll do it again, hopefully later this season. Let's take a break and we will come back with a rapid fire edition of who you got is the Midstate 48 presented by 615 preps. We're back right after this back here in the Midstate 48. It is time for that time of the week where we try to figure out who's going to win and lose. It's time for who you got. Last week was a pretty good week for the bunch. Let's bring up the standings after Six weeks. Fans still out oh, front fans. Back, fans. Well done. Went nine and one, as did I. Okay. Tom, Tom fans, was, well done. Okay. I see. I see what you're doing there. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Tom and I are tied for second. One game back. Scott, you're four back. Drake and Reggie are bringing up fifth and sixth, respectively. Yeah, I'm being mocked by the cat over here. You know, eight and two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the cat's trying to throw you out, apparently. Evidently. Yeah. <laughs> Back at week six, real quick. Tom's who you? Uh, Tom's told you so. Came with Nashville Christian as we all took Davidson Academy. Wow. Yeah. What a win. And he called it. Yeah. We all had Oakland. We all had Independence. You, me, and Reggie had Ravenwood, and and yeah. I, I sided with Reggie with NBA over Brentwood Academy. Get to your NBA fans out there. Reggie had Wilson Central, but well, he almost scored. pulled that one off. Yeah, you <laughs> almost had you, you you had BGA for a little while, but JP two <laughs> pulled away in the second half. Drake had White House Heritage before. If that had ended at halftime, he'd have had that one. Yep. Yeah. Let's turn the page and go to Week Seven, starting with a Thursday night game, Mount Juliet at Station Camp, and Reggie's going with the Bison. Everybody else siding with the Golden Bears. Well, you say he's a defensive cat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go rapid fire with these. Brentwood Independence 
Reggie's going with Brentwood, and the rest of us are taking the Eagles in that Region 7-6A showdown. Yep. Columbia at Page. Reggie again going against the grain, going with Columbia while the rest of us take Page. Is he on to something, Scott? He may be. I honestly was on the fence with this because Columbia is playing tremendous, tremendous defense. Hmm. East Robertson at Watertown. Okay, now it's my turn to go against the green. I'm taking the Indians wow. in this one, and everybody else is having Watertown. Well, tell your turn. Tell me uh, what like you're Like I said in the last segment, East Robertson's looking their chops. This is their opportunity. Watertown's running game has not been what it once was, and they've got an opportunity with their playmakers to make something happen. They've been competitive in their region games this year, and the opportunity is just there for them to – get that home game that they've been wanting for so long and be number two in this region with Watertown's rebuilding a little bit with some of their youth. This might be the week that East Robertson can do it. Uh, in most years, I wouldn't pick this, but right now I think the time may be right. Is Taylor Groves back? We will see. Okay. We'll see. Fairview at White House. We're, play, we're pretty split on this one. Tom and I are going with White House. The rest going with Fairview. And uh, this is a coin flip for me. I honestly think that uh, it's it's going to come down to uh, how well the defense plays and can contain Rain and Blackburn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a coin flip for me too. I think these two teams are evenly matched. It should be a fun ball game over there in White House as well. Oh yeah. Let's look at this next page. Started with Ravenwood at Summit, and we're going to give Reggie the honors first. Reggie does go with Ravenwood. The rest of us, however, take Summit. Wow. So, and that I think Reggie may be on to something this week. He may be, <laughs> we he may be sitting a week from now thinking, what in the world were yeah. we thinking? Yeah. You know, if he, uh, if he pulls it off this week, I may get him his own FanDuel account. <laughs> <laughs> Not a sponsor. Smith County at Stratford. I'm taking Stratford while the rest take Smith County. Um, I've said, I've said Stratford's in the right spot for the, for the whole year. This is the week that they show why. This, this is, uh, in all honesty, I'm surprised that I thought I would be on an island here because I honestly believe that Smith County is going to win a game they're not supposed to win. I think this was this was going to be the game. I'm surprised that this many people uh, uh, took Smith County. Yeah, I, I kind of am too, actually. I, I think Stratford is getting better at the right time, especially for this game. I, I think Smith County is a year away from being a serious contender this region. And Stratford right now, this is their game to get, I think. Smyrna at Cane Ridge, we're kind of split on this one. Tom and Reggie take Cane Ridge. The rest of us go with Smyrna. Yeah, I think Smyrna's offense uh, is just clicking a little bit more than Cane Ridge is right now. Yep. Stewart's Creek at Rockville. Tom goes with Rockville. The rest of us are on the Red Hawks. Well, that's dangerous. Usually Tom, Tom's got three, told you so. This may be another one. Um, Who knows? But, uh, yeah, you know, that running Rockville, game. This, this is big for Rockville, too, because they have to win this game to have playoff hopes, unfortunately. It looks like yeah. the, because the back half of their schedule is rough. I just think too much Gabe Walker here. Yeah, Gabe Walker, I think four touchdowns each of the last three weeks. It's been quite a run for him, and he may very well continue that this week. Yeah. Our spotlight game of the week is Pope Prep at NBA. NBA off that 21 nothing win over Brentwood Academy. Pope Prep taking care of business against BGA, and we're split again, and I went back and forth on this. I, I thought I would go with Pope Prep. I don't know. I, I'm I'm leaning NBA. I could be wrong. Well, I'm I could say the same thing for me. I mean, uh, last time I went against Pope Prep, they pretty much spanked me. So 
Uh, you know, I, I was going to learn my lesson that, you know, you told me last time Kenny Minchie was going to throw all over the place. I think he stands a chance to do that here. Yeah. I think you're in, you know, as much fun as I'm going to, I believe I'm going to have at uh, Summit and, uh, and Ravenwood. I think you're going to have just as much fun covering NBA and Pope prep here. I, I will say this, though. If this game gets in a shootout, it's Pope's to win. I don't know because the way NBA has been using Marcel Reed, uh, I'm waiting for them to unleash him. Right. And maybe this is the week they do it. If so, then we're talking a different talk next week. But until they do, I don't know that NBA offensively can hang in a shootout, but I, I well, think NBA's defense is good enough to contain JP2 to an extent. To me, the, the game hinges. I think Pope, I think uh, uh, Pope Prep just, I think it comes down to their wide receivers are just better. Now, if they're good enough to beat uh, NBA's defensive backs, then, you know, I think it'll, if, if NBA's, Defense kicks in and forces them to run. I think it's NBA's game. Yeah, we'll see. Well, we don't have a lot of time left, so let's get into one quick last word. My turn. <laughs> hey, uh, last week we passed uh, 3,600 followers on Twitter. And for that, I just want to thank everybody for following us, uh, for uh, for supporting our, uh, our endeavors here. Um, if you get a chance, if you're watching this, uh, odds are you're subscribing. Uh, try to reach out and get some other people to subscribe, rate us, review us. It only helps us grow and you know helps us cover these uh, high school kids that are really deserving of, of coverage. Um, if, if you'd like, uh, you're definitely invited to join Stadium Club. Uh, we have a uh, you can either ask us about it uh, at 615preps at gmail.com or you can watch the video that's also on this YouTube channel. Uh, and we also have some other uh, initiatives coming up. This pretty cool shirt. I'll point to the wrong one every time. But uh, we have uh, merchandise out there as well. So uh, if you want to help us support, uh, if you want to help us and support high school uh, athletics, high school football in the mid-state, uh, you know, come and join us. Going to make it short and sweet. We need more games like Lipscomb, Oakland, Lipscomb Academy in Oakland, not less. It's it's good for football in this area. It was a showcase game for the state, and I know that we've got some more big games coming up in the next couple of weeks that are just going to even be that much more healthy for high school football in Tennessee. It's it's a growing area. The talent is growing like ever never before, and it's just it's just dang fun. I mean, Thursday night was a great atmosphere. We're going to have some more of those down the stretch, and when we get to Chattanooga in December, we're going to see that a lot of teams that got there were playing games like Lipscomb Academy and Oakland played on Thursday and like some of these other matchups that are coming up this week and in the weeks to come. So it was a great night last week. I'm looking forward to more of those this week, and we're just having a lot of fun with the rest of the season because it's been pretty good so far. Absolutely. That is all the time we've got for Scott Burton and for our colleague Tom Duggan, who is under the weather this week. I'm Chris Brooks. Thank you for watching the Midstate 48 here at 615 Preps. We will see you next week. Hi, Tom. The Midstate 48, powered by 615 Preps, is a production of B Squared Media, LLC.